This is the Vandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network, and I'm your host, Billy Derrick. This week's Vanderbilt football pregame show is brought to you by The Wash House, the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland & Belk, and the Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Topics on today's show, as well as this season's baseball content, are presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream ice cream distribution company located out in Murfreesboro. A partnership began back 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. And now they serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more information, visit their website at mpmci.com. Again, that's mpmci.com, and tell them Vandy Sports sent you. All right, today we're previewing Vanderbilt and Missouri. Three o'clock kickoff in Nashville on the SEC Network. We'll give you an injury report, a weather report. I'll answer your mailbag questions, as always. And then, what to watch for with Joey Dwyer from VandySports.com. Five things to watch, and a lot of them are the same because we've been talking about the same stuff uh, just about every week now, and something has to give uh, for Vanderbilt this week against Missouri. Talk about A.J. Swan's status and much more with Joey Dwyer. And then Norma Jordan, color analyst for the Vanderbilt Radio Network, also a former running back at Vanderbilt under Fred Pancoast and George McIntyre, so he's got experience playing in the black and gold. We'll we'll get his take on this matchup and, and, and what Vanderbilt has to do in order to beat Missouri. And then to wrap it up, a nice long interview with Gerard Hamilton from PowerMizzou.com. He covers Missouri for their rival's site. I ask him some questions about Missouri, and then he's got a few questions for me on the Vanderbilt side. It's a great uh, insight and analysis from Gerard on the Missouri Tigers, and and we dive into the, the matchup on Saturday between Vanderbilt and Missouri. So that is what is on tap in today's episode. First, Today's news is presented by The Wash House, which is also our presenting sponsor for back- basketball season. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Well, let the laundry professionals at The Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh and clean laundry ready to be put away. Log on to their website. That's washhouseclean.com. Again, that's washhouseclean.com. Or stop in today and get your time back. All right, let's dive into the matchup. Missouri at Vanderbilt, Saturday, 3 o'clock in Nashville. You can watch it on the SEC Network. And how about this? Dave Neal is the play-by-play announcer. And Derek Mason, former Commodore head coach, is the color analyst and I've been impressed with Coach Mason so far in the booth. I think he called the Tennessee game against UTSA last week. And, um, you know, he's coming back uh, back to where he was for a long time right here in Nashville. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to hear his take on, on, on Vanderbilt, uh, you know, w- without him on actually on the sideline as a coach this time in the booth as the color analyst. So Coach Mace on the call. Missouri is favored by 14 on Saturday. I've seen it at 13 and a half, but last I checked it was at 14. Obviously, Commodore's coming off a 45-28 loss to Kentucky last week. The Cats had 21 points off turnovers. Speaking of turnovers, Vandy has nine turnovers in the last three games. Yeah, you heard me right. Nine turnovers in the last three games. And four of those 
four of those turnovers have been returned for touchdowns. You just, you cannot have that. Vanderbilt has to be better. They know it. Coach Lee said whether it's bad luck or fundamental technical mistakes, the bottom line is that it comes down to coaching. He also said through five games, the turnovers could be worse. You know, listen, you can you can look at it and say some of these things are are um, the ball bouncing the wrong way. Some of them are fundamental technical aspects. I think on Saturday, um, we just we saw some carelessness with the football that has been, you know, we've been talking about for for weeks now. Honestly, even before Wake Forest, we were talking about decisions with the ball and. Um, you know, Hawaii missed some opportunities to make plays on the ball that could have shifted the tide of that game too now. So, I mean, you you want to look at where we are in the season and say, you know, we're really disappointed to be um, at this point two and three. You know, it could be worse. Can the Commodores finally clean it up? We'll see. Vanderbilt and Missouri meeting for the 16th time since 1895. Long time since the team's first matchup. Vanderbilt's last win in the series came back in 2019, a 21-14 victory. Derek Mason was head coach. He was on the sideline. So interesting. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be a little weird, but interesting and, and fun listening to Coach Mason because he was on the sideline the last time Vanderbilt beat Missouri. And, you know, the quarterback that beat that Missouri team? Backup, Mo Hassan. Vanderbilt won 21-14 over a ranked Missouri team following a home loss to UNLV that season. So the signs are starting to come together for a potential, a potential Vanderbilt victory. And we'll get into Ken Seals' potential to uh, to start in this one. So we'll, we'll talk about that. The last two meetings between these two have been decided late in the fourth quarter. Can Clark Lee's program finally break through? We will see. In last year's meeting, of course, Vandy lost a tough one in Columbia. If you remember, Mizzou jumped out to a 17-0 lead in the first half, but the Commodore defense didn't give up. Another point in the second half. They cut the Tigers' lead to three with four minutes left, but couldn't finish the job. So we'll see if Vanderbilt can finish the job on Saturday against the Tigers this time out. Third meeting between Coach Lee and Coach Drinkwitz. Let's get into the Tigers. Obviously, we're going to be joined by Gerard Hamilton for a lengthy interview. He dives all the way into the Tigers, so don't want to harp on him too much, but but just a quick nuggets, quick few uh, nuggets here. Missouri is 4-0. They, they've been impressive so far so far this year. Uh, they beat South Dakota 35 to 10. And then week two, they beat MTSU just barely 23 to 19. So close one against the Blue Raiders. And then a couple of weeks ago, they beat K-State at home 30 to 27. Crazy game. Harrison Mevis had a 61-yard field goal to win it for the Tigers. And then they beat Memphis last week, 34 to 27 in St. Louis. So this Tigers team, they've put up some points, but they've struggled against a couple of teams that you wouldn't expect them to struggle with, right? I mean, they had to fight to beat MTSU and Memphis gave them all they wanted last week. So similar to Kentucky, uh, Missouri is still trying to find ways to put teams away. Uh, speaking of putting teams away, offensively, that's how they have tried to do that. And offensively, 30 points per game this season, 431 total yards per game, which is pretty impressive, 282 passing yards per game, and 150 rushing yards per game. So this offense has been certainly impressive this season for the Tigers under Coach Drinkwitz. Players to watch, Brady Cook, of course. He's thrown for 1,073 yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. He has played clean football. He's been a little banged up. He's not at 100%, uh, but he's still out there. He's got a brace on his right leg, I'm pretty sure Gerard told me. So uh, keep an eye on that. And, and, and if Vanderbilt's able to, to, to get some hits on him and pressure him and make him uncomfortable, 
I think that could impact the game, but Cook's been impressive. 10.7 yards per attempt. That leads all SEC quarterbacks. He's got a 185 quarterback rating. That's second among SEC quarterbacks, just behind Daniels at LSU. He will run the ball as well. He hasn't run it a ton, but he's got three rushing touchdowns, so he wants to be able to run the ball. I think Coach Drink has told him to settle down a little bit with that brace so they can keep him healthy. Speaking of running the football, though, they got a really good running back behind Cook as well. Cody Schrader leads the SEC in rushing yards at 408 so far on the season. Two touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry. So Schrader has been impressive, played well last year against Vanderbilt. So did Nathaniel Pete, 44 carries so far this season, 205 yards and two touchdowns. Both of those guys played well last year against Vanderbilt. And their receiver, their stud, Luther Burden III, 32 catches, 504 yards. That's third in the SEC, three touchdowns. He leads all Power 5 receivers with 340 yards after the catch this season. So Vanderbilt has to keep an eye on Luther Burden. It's pretty obvious. Clark Lee said they know how to use him. He, he's the guy that creates for them, right? He He's he's the guy. It, it's so clear in every way. So keep an eye. You might want to keep an eye on Luther Burden, future NFL receiver. They've got another really good receiver, Theo Weiss, Oklahoma transfer. He's got a couple of touchdowns this year. Had one last week against Memphis. So their offense as a whole, tough to defend. And uh, they will take shots, but they also like the stretch run scheme. We'll talk all about the Tigers uh, with Gerard Hamilton defensively. They've got a few guys they like at the corner position, Charleston and Carnell. Charleston leads the team with 23 tackles. Carnell, five tackles for loss. And then big Johnny Walker Jr. Uh, up front on, on defense for the Tigers. He leads the team with three sacks. So those are the defensive players to watch. And, and that's kind of a quick um, you know, stat analysis on the Missouri Tigers uh, heading into the matchup. Again, we'll check in with Gerard Hamilton to dive deep into the Missouri Tigers at the end of this episode. Weather, sunny skies, and a high of 87, so even hotter than last week. I think it was low 80s last week. Obviously, it was an earlier kickoff, so uh, you know, morning, it took a little bit longer for it to heat up. But, man, it, it was sunny last week. It's going to be sunny again on Saturday. Obviously, with this kicking off at 3 o'clock, you'll get into the nighttime a little bit. The low, it'll probably get into the 70s and cool off a little bit later in this one. But, again, looking forward to a beautiful, beautiful day for football in Nashville. Let's get to the injury report before we hop into the mailbag. And there was a lot uh, that, that Coach Lee spoke about on Thursday of this week. A.J. Swan, obviously he is the guy we're watching this week. He is a game-time decision. Coach Lee said he practiced some this week but was limited. And Ken Seals and Walter Taylor got the majority of the rest of the reps. Lee also said we've trained Ken and Walt. Walter Taylor has been a part of that too when he was asked about the quarterback situation. And with that in mind, earlier this week, Coach Drinkwitz said his team has to be prepared for Seals and maybe even Walter Taylor in some running packages on Saturday. They're similar style quarterbacks. Um, Ken has come in and played both in the UNLV game um, and played in the uh, last drive of the Kentucky game. We saw him for an entire game here two se three seasons ago. So he's an experienced quarterback. He was very highly recruited coming out of um, high school, you know, started an entire year. So I don't, I don't think much will change as far as their, their style of play. They do have a, another quarterback that presents some challenges in the run game that we have to be prepared for. Obviously, um, K-State brought in a running quarterback and, and created some yardage that way. Um, they have that obviously in their game plan from their previous quarterback who transferred to Mississippi State. So I think as a, a staff, we have to be prepared for 
um, a running style quarterback, which we can go back and film and evaluate some of the things that they've the coordinator has done in his past. Um, but as far as the game plan, I mean, you still are going to have to defend those wide receivers. They've got an RPO style uh, run game. They have a, a variation in their run scheme. So I, I don't think it'll change that much. So we'll see. Ken Seals, maybe a little bit of Walter Taylor. My gut, and I got a question about this in the mailbag. My gut tells me Ken Seals starts. I don't I don't have any specific reasoning for that. And obviously, A.J. Swan struggled against Kentucky. He's a little banged up. We'll see. Obviously, a lot of questions still to be answered about the quarterback position so far this season for Vanderbilt. Could we see a little bit of Ken Seals? Could we see a lot of Ken Seals? Could we see a little bit of Walter Taylor in some packages? We'll get our answer 3 o'clock. On Saturday, some other injury notes. Christian James is available, but limited in practice. So uh, we'll see if we see James out there. BJ Anderson at corner is out. Grayson Morgan, who has played right tackle a couple of games this season, is out as well. Trudell Barry is trending positively in the right direction. So hoping to see uh, Barry on Saturday. Dericky Wright is not at 100%. I don't think he's been at 100% all season, uh, but he'll likely be available. Uh, Clark Lee has called him a warrior all season. So um, that uh, that will be interesting. London Humphreys, questionable with a lower body injury. So that is something to watch as well. Didn't w- Wasn't aware of that. I know he came up gingerly uh, after a couple of plays actually last week against against Kentucky. So we'll see if, if Humphreys can go. Jalen Mahoney and, and, and Savion Riley are good to go. So Vanderbilt's safeties uh, will be will be ready to roll. Obviously with Dericky Wright, not 100%. You may not see a ton of Dorickey Wright, but Savion Riley being back, I think, is noteworthy. And Langston Patterson is back as well. So Vanderbilt starting to get healthy defensively. And uh, that uh, that obviously is something to watch with a Kentucky, or not Kentucky, a Missouri offense looking to score points. All right, let's close out this segment, this first initial segment with today's mailbag. It's sponsored by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. All right, first up, we start with a few questions here from MEH username. I love that uh, <laughs> that username there here on the board. His first question is, how does Missouri's defense stack up against our offense? Well, I did some research, saw the question, did some research. Missouri is averaging 21 points, or they're giving up 21 points. Uh, this season defensively. That ranks about 50th in the country, so fairly average. Not great, but also not terrible. Uh, so the defense has been solid. Uh, you know, nothing nothing to write home about, but also nothing to, you know, nothing to be embarrassed about if, if you're a Missouri fan. But here's where the discrepancy is. Missouri's giving up 134 passing yards per game. That, that's 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 a pretty pretty large number. Uh, that, that's That's per game. And that ranks 73rd in the country. So I think that's an avenue where Vanderbilt's offense with Shepard and Humphreys, if he's healthy, McGowan, Carter, all those receivers, maybe even Logan Kyle, can get involved in the passing game, the deep passing game. That's where Missouri struggled. I went back and rewatched the uh, Missouri-Memphis game last week, and Memphis had some success in the passing game. Um, and, and, you know, they really didn't. I thought their quarterback had just a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of time, just enough time, right? I'm not saying they were world beaters in protecting their quarterback, but, I think they were smart enough in their scheme, and and I think I I think you can expect Vanderbilt to complete some some downfield passes in this game. But can they take care of the football? That's the question. Missouri's run defense is very good, though. 
and and that's not good. Not a good matchup for Vanderbilt. Their rush offense is awful. They're only averaging 109 yards per game. Missouri's only giving up 83 rushing yards per game. So there's a huge discrepancy in M- Missouri's pass defense as opposed to their their rush defense. Their rush defense is phenomenal. Their pass defense not so great. So you know Vanderbilt, you could see a lot of pass attempts, right? Drop back, maybe some shorter ones as well. Um, Missouri's big up front. They've got some athletes up front. So Vanderbilt's going to have to get creative, especially if you're going to see a little bit of Walter Taylor as well. So it's going to be tough. Going to be a challenge against this Missouri run defense. All right, second part of uh, MEH username's question, will our running game finally come alive? Well, I just gave you the stats there. To answer your question, no. I mean, I haven't seen it all season. Um, And, you know, I I don't think it really – nothing points to – this running game coming alive for the rest of the season. Now, maybe Walter Taylor, if you see a little bit more of him, maybe he makes a difference in that. Uh, and if you see Ken Seals, I think Ken is a little bit better runner than Swan. So maybe with the quarterbacks, it improves a little bit, but I just don't think the offensive line has done a good enough job uh, clearing space, you know, as an SEC offensive line should. Now, Vanderbilt's offensive lines over the years haven't been world beaters, but they've been better than this. And I think this group knows they can be better. They just got to put it all together. And, um, but yeah, to answer that question, no, I, I, not this week, at least not, not, not this week, maybe later in the season. If, if I see some, some improvement on the offensive line, but nothing that offensive line has done so far this season, you know, it leads me to believe that that running game can come alive. I just, no, I just don't think so. Uh, is it still looking like Ken Seals will get the start? If so, I'm excited for him. All Vandy fans should be. Uh, yeah. Said it earlier. I think Ken Seals starts, um, you know, I, I just think I, I think it's the right time for it. You know, Ken's a leader. Uh, he's a vocal leader. He's been with this team for a long time, right? He has he has sort of uh, you know reimagined his not only football career but uh, his his life path w- with the help of Coach Lee and this staff and this program, right? I mean, he's he's a special kid. Uh, he's 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 been through a lot. Um, and he's battled back. He's battled back from adversity, and here he is with most likely what I think is a golden opportunity for, for him. I, I think for Seals, this is it for him, right? He knows this is it. This is his last chance to, to get out there and compete and play college football and lead a group of men to victory, right? I think if anything else, he's ready. He's going to compete his butt off, um, and he's going to do his best to play well. Now, he may not lead this team to victory this week, Maybe it happens later in the season, but I think he's ready for this moment and he deserves this moment. I think that's that's even more important, right? He deserves this moment uh, for this team because he has fought. He's earned it. So Clark said he's going to tell him to just let it rip. Let it rip, Ken, and, and uh, go out there and compete your tail off because I think he can do that. Uh, so it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how he performs, you know, if he does end up getting the start. I, I think he will. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. And, and, and then if you do see Walter Taylor, how how he performs, but they have confidence in Ken. And yes, I I do still think he's going to start four questions. A lot of questions from MEH username. His last one, Billy, you do a great job here. Do you miss Will and Trevor and all their entertaining shenanigans? (laughs) I do, man, to be honest, I I really do. I mean, I I spent about two years with Will on the podcast and then we, we, we added Trevor uh, a little late and, uh, Man, he is, he's electric. Trevor, Trevor is absolutely electric. And uh, I still listen when I can. Uh, so those, those are my boys. And, and, uh, you know, they're, it's still rolling. I knew they wouldn't let it die. So, uh, love those guys. And, 
Um, you know, but uh, this is a dream with VandySports.com, man. Longest running Vanderbilt site. And uh, Chris Lee has been such an honor to work with. Joey, all these guys, Luke Wyatt, uh, it's been awesome. So looking forward to uh, to more exciting things uh, here at VandySports.com. But yeah, Will and Trev, man, th- those those are my guys. So um, they <laughs> you never know what you're going to get from them. That, that's, that's the best part about them. All right, Mr. Vandy asks, who on the defensive side of the ball do you expect to be back this week? I think I said it earlier. Uh, let's see here. Safeties. I think all the safeties should be back. Uh, Ricky Wright will probably play. Uh, Mahoney and Riley will be available, Clark said, so that's good. Patterson will be available. Uh, Grayson, not Grayson Morgan. Uh, B.J. Anderson is out. Uh, then you might see some Christian James. Um, probably not a ton, but you know, I, I think he'll, he'll play a little bit. And, and he was a big part of that team last year. We forget Christian James had a huge play, a uh, couple of huge plays at certain times. Yeah, I think he had a sack against Missouri last year. Uh, you know, sack against Kentucky. I think he played well down the stretch last year. So I, I think that's big uh, to get an in-state guy back like like Christian James. So defensively, those are the guys that I think should be back. Lastly here, Knoxville door 94. Does Vanderbilt cover whatever the spread is? Well, it's 14 right now, at least last I checked. I have seen it at 13 and a half. That hook there, that, that 13 and a half hook makes it tough, of course, with, with the two touchdown number, but yeah, I do. I, I think Vanderbilt covers, number one, because the last two years under Clark Lee, this Missouri-Vanderbilt matchup has been very tight, very competitive. I know they are different teams this year, but um, I think this is such a big game and a big spot for Vanderbilt. And this is a huge, I, I, I might not say all the way trap game for Missouri, but it is a look-ahead game for Missouri. They got LSU coming into their building next week. LSU top, you know, top 25 team. I think they're a top 15 team actually now. So, you know, Missouri's looking forward to that game. You know, they came off a big one over K-State. Uh, they didn't overlook Memphis. They ended up holding on to beat Memphis. But uh, I think Vanderbilt covers. I think Vanderbilt covers in this one. Do they win? I don't know. It's going to be tough. Missouri's offense is really good and challenging to defend. But if Vanderbilt can create some takeaways, this might get interesting. Might get interesting. But, yes, I do think Vanderbilt will cover. All right, that does it for the mailbag. And now we hop into our guest line. we got three amazing guests coming up. We're going to roll through them. First, what to watch for with Joey Dwyer. Tradition unlike any other. We'll dive into um, what he's looking at in this uh, in this matchup on Saturday. And then Norman Jordan, color analyst for the Vanderbilt Radio Network, will join me to dive deeper into Vanderbilt's issues with turning over the football, uh, talk about A.J. Swan's performance last week, um, you know where they can make progress this season, dive into this matchup, get his keys to victory. And then lastly, Gerard Hamilton from PowerMizzou.com covers the Tigers for their rival site. We'll talk about the Tigers so far this season. What he's seen from Brady Cook. How good is Brady Cook? Luther Burden. Uh, last year's Vandy Missouri game was crazy. He was there to cover it. And uh, Missouri's pass defense issues. Can Vanderbilt take advantage of that? He also asks me a few questions about Vanderbilt as well. So we got all those guests coming up. And the guest line is sponsored by. John Lethen and the Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Maynard Nexon advises government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call, 256-551-0171. Again, that's 256-551-0171. And now, what to watch for with Joey Dwyer. Small things done well. Once again, Joey, that's what we're talking about heading into a Vanderbilt football game. And this week, it's the Missouri Tigers heading to Nashville to face 
the Vanderbilt Commodores, 3 o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. You've got your five things to watch for on VadiSports.com. I thought this week's was really good. Um, saw a lot of compliments on the boards. The board loved it. Uh, Missouri is a 13.5-point favorite. And the biggest question heading into this game, Joey, is who starts at quarterback? And I, I think with with Swan's status sort of up in the air still, you'll get the final confirmation, I would guess, from Clark Lee uh, today at his availability. But that's the biggest question, Joey. Who who goes at quarterback? And does the offense look different if, uh, if, if Seals goes? Yeah, I'm not expecting to know today, but I think we'll get sort of a general sense. It feels like on Tuesday, Clark wasn't super optimistic that Swan would start. And I don't know that that would be the right move for now, throwing out a guy who's not completely healthy. I don't know that he was completely healthy on Saturday. When he was on the field, it felt like that elbow was still kind of nagging him. And I think with Seals' experience and the issues Swan and Vanderbilt's offense have had with turnovers, I think Seals might be deserving of a shot here. Um, and they could put it under the guise of Swan is hurt. And even if he's not 100%, you don't want to throw him out there. So I think Seals maybe isn't the better option, but I think it'd be valuable for Swan to sit a week and kind of get a grasp on that health. And I think it'd be interesting to see whether Seals could maybe be more of a ball distributor here with less errors. Maybe the ceiling isn't as high. The arm obviously isn't as big, but I think Seals could do some good things for him. So be interesting to see. Clark Lee did say that Swan's health will be the primary factor here, so I would take him at his word for that. But it'll be interesting to see if Seals makes an impact in maybe a different way than Swan does rather than those big explosive plays, kind of distributing the ball to Vanderbilt's playmakers. And we know Vanderbilt does have playmakers. That's probably the strength of its offense, at least on the perimeter with Humphreys, Shepard, McGowan, Skinner, all guys who can make plays after the catch a little bit, maybe not as much as Luther Burden, who we'll talk about, I'm sure. But Vanderbilt has some weapons on the outside that it can turn to, and maybe Seals is more of a game manager that Vanderbilt needs at this point of its season. Some small things done well before Saturday. I'll need to get a haircut, and I'll need to take my allergy <laughs> meds so I sound better. But those are the maybe not the biggest small things I'm watching, but feels like it goes with our theme. Yeah, these allergies have been kicking in for, for both of us, Joey. I, I remember uh, a couple weeks ago I was struggling, and now you're struggling. So hopefully we get those uh, we get those allergies better. But hopefully for Vanderbilt, uh, they can contain the run game. Uh, Missouri has a couple of running backs, Cody Schrader and Nathaniel Pete. Uh, Nathaniel Pete played well against Vanderbilt last year uh, in Columbia. They're not a dominant run game. You know, they're not super explosive on the ground. Uh, but if you're Vanderbilt and you let them run the ball on you like Wake Forest did, uh, you know, throughout that game, you're not going to win. I mean, you know, you, so as good as the Missouri passing game is, Joey, you cannot forget about that Tiger run game. Yeah, it's really explosive offense. But what makes it good is that they can complement that explosiveness with productive play on the ground. And I think that's what Vanderbilt has been missing in terms of its offense. It obviously has the explosive playability one Humphreys is. About as good of a deep threat as you're going to find in the league. Will Shepard's obviously one of the better red zone targets in the league, but they don't have a run game they can lean on to kind of lower that margin for error in the passing game. And I think Mizzou has that, obviously has the leading rusher in the SEC and has nearly double the rushing yards that Vanderbilt has, at least in terms of uh, their leading running back versus Vanderbilt's leading running back. It's nearly double, and Vanderbilt has played an extra game. So I think that tells you about, what you need to know there about its running game versus Vanderbilt's running game. It's really an offense where I kind of compare Vanderbilt has a star receiver. Mizzou has a star receiver. They both have explosive passing games. 
but Mizzou is more reliable, more consistent, and it's largely due to that running game, and obviously it's offensive line play as well. It's helping that running game, but it kind of feels like Mizzou's offense is just Vanderbilt's, but far, far more developed at this point. Interesting. I like how you mentioned uh, the X factor in this game could be Missouri's run game, and, and obviously we'll be watching that. Thirdly here, Joey, Vanderbilt's health defensively. Obviously, Dericky Wright was out. Savion Riley was out. Langston Patterson was out. B.J. Anderson was out. And Jalen Mahoney was out, not for injury, because he was ejected on the third play of the game. So, obviously, that's you can't have that happen again. Um, but it feels like Vanderbilt's going to get back to at least some solid health uh, dif- defensively. Offensively, they're fine. I think there was a full depth chart offensively on Saturday against Kentucky. But, Joey, defensively, they, they've got to get healthy there, especially in the back end. I mean, I thought House and and, and Sewell played well, uh, but you'd like to get Ricky right back, and you'd like to not have uh, Mahoney ejected again. So <laughs> I think that'll be something to watch. Right, for sure. I think those are both guys who played well, like you said. But with a secondary that's been so unreliable, having to play backups in that secondary is – really something that you want to avoid, especially when Wright and Mahoney maybe two of your most productive players defensively this year. Taylor's probably their most productive, but there's an argument for those guys to be two and three, and Patterson's also up there. So there's a lot to unpack there in terms of health, and I'm sure we'll get updates today, but Randall's got to be healthy. It's not an excuse if they're not, but also if you're missing one of your starting corners, your two starting safeties, when you're starting linebackers, kind of in trouble there, right? And even another rotational safety to go in, well, go in as well there. Vanderbilt's passing defense certainly uh, struggled with that on uh, Saturday. But I think those guys stepped up. Can you rely on those guys to step up against a Mizzou team with probably more of an explosive passing game than Kentucky? Not quite sure. Offensively, Joey, Will Shepard had his quietest game last week uh, of the season. He had 10 targets. And you'd say to yourself, okay, then you had at least six or seven catches with 10 targets. Nope, two catches, 31 yards. And, you know, that's your guy. I mean, that's your horse. If you're Vanderbilt, you, you've, you know, you need more there. And Jane McGowan also w- was limited as well. He had five targets and no catches. Uh, so that obviously has to change. But for Vanderbilt to have any shot against Missouri, you've got to have your, your best player, Will Shepard, you know, performing at his best, right? And I think another thing to watch is body language, leadership, right? I think they need Shepard to be a leader as well. And so I'm watching, number one, his performance, because only two catches is not going to cut it, but also his body language, right? It, can he sort of turn into a leader for, for this offense? Because I think they need it right now. Yeah, that's a great point about McGowan as well. I think him, Humphreys, and Shepard had, what, like 56 yards combined, maybe 66. Yeah. Not good enough for this team and not good enough to get to where you ultimately want to go. Clark Lee talks about five catches combined, five catches combined. Wow. Clark Lee talks a lot about winning your one-on-ones and being one of 11. I felt like Vanderbilt wanted to be intentional about having Shepard win his one-on-one with one of Kentucky's best corners, one of the best corners in the league. It looked like on Saturday and Shepard couldn't win those one-on-ones. They gave him the ball in the first play of the game, didn't catch another one until garbage time on 10 targets. So that tells you about all you need to know. McGowan has to get involved as well. London Humphreys was okay, but didn't make some plays around the end zone that I thought he could have made. Obviously has to improve. And what Vanderbilt is trying to hang its hat on is this playmaking on the perimeter. 
didn't seem to have a whole lot of that on Saturday, and it's not going to win games with that compared with – or paired with its poor running game thus far and paired with poor offensive line play. Maybe Ken Seals can help distribute a little bit better if he plays. We'll see, though. Against Kentucky, Joey, it was the same story, just a different week. You know, costly, costly mistakes. Max Harrison, two pick sixes. He had 84 uh, yards receiving, that led Vanderbilt in receiving. So, I mean, you just – they're still making the mistakes they did um, in, in week one or week zero against Kentucky. And Clark said that, right? He said, we've been talking about this since week zero, and it hasn't changed. And, you know, you start to think, is this this team's identity? Are they – you know, I mean, that I know they still got a lot of football left to play, but, you know, if there's another game, yet another game, where they make costly mistakes – I think you've got to start to chalk it up as that is just this team's identity. Now they can change that, right? They've got an opportunity here to change this against a team that they almost beat and probably should have beat last year, Joey. So your last thing to watch here is can they flip the script, right? Or is, is the script the exact same? I think we've talked about this every single podcast, Billy. And I felt it was... (laughs) It was worth mentioning again just because that's the narrative around this team. That's the storyline. They've only got dominated for, what, 15 minutes total this season, but they're 2-3, and three, and it looks like they're going to go 2-10 and 10 based on the performance that they've had thus far. The reason for that turnovers, little things, small things done well. You get tired of hearing all those things, but, I mean, it's true, and Vanderbilt has done those things poorly throughout the year. Whether it can change those things, I'm not super optimistic why would I be at this point through, what, five games where it hasn't changed and it's been the same thing over and over again? But, you know, it's a new day, perhaps a new quarterback. Could it be a different story? We'll see. I think Vanderbilt could get up for this game. Maybe it isn't all Mizzou fans in the stands like it was on Saturday. I think there's some semblance of optimism somewhere, but right now I'm not sold on it. Vanderbilt and Missouri. Three o'clock kickoff. Unfortunately, I will not be there, Joey, but uh, I will be watching. And uh, I'm, I'm sure the the Twitter fingers will be moving as well. Uh, you and Chris will be there, and, and I'm sure there'll be some semblance of of a post-game show. You'll get your last-minute thoughts out, and uh, you know we'll, we'll still have the same amount of coverage. But, uh, Joey, we'll see if Vanderbilt can flip the script. And uh, you know, I, I, know, I know we've got some basketball content maybe coming. But uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned for that basketball. I think it's less than 40 days away or maybe a little over 40 days away now. So looking forward to that. But we still got some football to watch. And uh, Joey, you'll be there. You'll be at the Florida game as well. So so that'll be fun. But uh, Joey, appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Norman Jordan, the color analyst on the Vanderbilt Radio Network alongside Andrew Allegretta, joins me now. He also played at Vanderbilt, played running back at Vanderbilt from 1979 to 1982 under Fred Pancoast and George McIntyre. Norman, another loss for Vanderbilt. That's that's their third straight first SEC loss of the season, and, and it starts to you know get magnified here with SEC play. You know, they got Missouri coming in this weekend. We'll talk about that matchup with the Tigers, but I want to start overall, right? Obviously, we've we've seen the turnover issues. We've seen some some explosive play issues defensively, but in your mind, what what's the biggest issue right now with this team? Uh, you know, that's that's a great question. I, I think uh, if you take what Clark says, 
it's that they're not playing complimentary football. It's uh, the Kentucky game was a good example of that, that the defense gets a turnover, offense gets the ball, uh, I think it's 24 to 10 at that point. They get the ball about the 20 yard line going in and they go out and, and do nothing with it really and, and wind up kicking a field goal right there. If you're playing complimentary football, your offense goes out and, and you know, does the job, gets the ball in the end zone and, and then turn the defense back out there. Norman, you saw A.J. Swan's performance uh, against Kentucky, obviously 16 of 40, uh, had a couple of pick sixes and had had a, uh, you know, had a tough day. And then, then he got banged up late, late in the game. What did you see from him? Uh, obviously not the performance Vanderbilt, you know, needs uh, from their quarterback. Clark talked about that. They need to get they need better play uh, at the at the quarterback position. Um, so so what what did you see and, and why do you think he? He just sort of, you know, struggled so much against Kentucky. Well, I mean, one thing, and you've seen it so many times in college football, that you have a sophomore has a pretty good year. and I mean, a freshman has a pretty good year, and then he comes back sophomore year. He goes from uh, he didn't know what he didn't know to he does know what he, he you know, and he, he makes mm-hmm. throws that he shouldn't make or he makes uh, throws the ball out of bounds when he probably shouldn't have thrown out of bounds, whatever. But, you know, with A.J. Uh, watching him Saturday – was really watching uh, somebody that I, I felt like he was trying a little too hard. Uh, that he was trying to make things happen that that weren't there. You know, you get spun around and you make a throw that you probably shouldn't have made. The week before, I think against UNLV, he was real careful with the ball, throwing it uh, by and large, throwing it out of bounds on some where the the man was covered, and and that's the way he's been coached to do it. So you got to play with them what the team can do. If you're the quarterback, I mean, you're the, you're the lead dog, but you also, you know, you're one of 11 and all of you have to do your jobs to make good things happen. So, you know, and he didn't have the zip on the ball Saturday that, that he normally has. So, you know, I don't know how, how badly his arms hurt. I, I don't I have no idea. So, you know, I don't know what you do at this point. If, if he can't really throw the way he's, he should throw, then, you know, you got to figure out what, what do we do? Yeah, and then you know you obviously point to a guy like Ken Seals who has has played a lot at Vanderbilt and and you know he hasn't played a ton this year uh, and and when he's gone in it's been fairly conservative you know they've ran the football and and you know they've done some play action pass and and you've seen him complete some passes to Cameron Cameron Johnson the tight end I think has has been interesting and and some some running back screen plays that it feels like they've simplified the offense when Ken has gone in. But there hasn't been a huge sample size. So if we do see Ken Seals Saturday, Norman, do you think that offense looks any different? Uh, yeah, I think it will look a little different. With you know, I, I guess the best way to put it is Ken's got some rust on him from inactivity, and and yeah. you know we saw it at UNLV when he came in. But I thought he looked really good when he came in uh, last week against Kentucky. So yeah, you do what he can do. I, I'm a big believer in. You know, I run my offense the way that my players can play. So uh, Ken Seals is not uh, AJ Swan. I, I don't. Even, I don't have any idea who they play. But you know, you, you run what Ken's good at. Ken can pull the ball down and run a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, a little quicker than than AJ. Uh, but if I'm putting in after this much inactivity, I'm going to throw make make some throws that he feels real comfortable with. Defensively, Norman, I thought they played with more a little bit more swagger and confidence, and and they were flying around the field at times. 
but offensively, I didn't see a leader. I didn't see, um, you know, I just, I, I didn't see a connectivity. And Clark actually said that, you know, he said that, that they just, you know, throughout the game, there, there wasn't inspired play, you know, there, there were flashes, but not, not, you know, sustained efforts. Um, would you agree with that? And, and, Maybe maybe you think Ken Seals hops in there and, and kind of lights a fire under him and says, "Hey man, you know this might be my last year playing football. Um, you know, let's go do this thing." Well, I mean, if AJ's banged up and he can't play to the level that AJ feels like he should or that that Clark feels like he should, then you, you have to do something. And and Ken certainly has the reps uh, to step into the role. And just getting comfortable as the game goes on. I've always thought Ken, and somewhat AJ, I've always thought they were rhythm quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I would look at going maybe a little no I have no idea what they're going to do this week. But yeah. uh, maybe go a little no huddle, not so much to hurry, but uh, really to help him get rhythm or help AJ get rhythm. I, I, I like that concept because the quarterback's just staying involved in the game the whole time rather than, you know, taking the play and, and communicating with the players and all that. So I, I like the concept, not so much of hurry up, but of get on the line. Let's call it from there. Norman, you played running back, and I want to I want to ask you about those guys, Patrick Smith, Cedric Alexander. You saw a little bit of Chase Gillespie as well. Um, and we know about the offensive line and, and, and some of their struggles. I think they've been good at times, but we've also seen them, um, you know, struggle at times as well and, and just kind of be inconsistent as a whole, but those running backs, what have you seen from them? Are, are you looking for more out of them or, or do you think they're, you know, they're, they're kind of working with what they've got? Well, first I think, I think Patrick's made some, some giant strides this year and it's not so visible on the field as much as uh, I think Patrick had a great knack for bouncing the ball outside early on in his career, but he's starting to get those three and four tough yards in the middle. And that, allows you to, to bounce the ball outside when you really see it out there. If a defense knows that he's going to bounce it, they're going to play you differently. They're going to set that corner, take a defensive end or outside linebacker and set that corner and turn him back in and make the play. But if you're getting four or five yards carrying in traffic, then what, you, what you're doing is you're making them play you honestly. And if they play you honestly, sometimes you can bounce it out and he's got really good speed. All of them have good speed. So, you know, they, they can do a lot of damage if you give them enough room and time to do something. Let's go to the defensive side here. Uh, and, and I mentioned there, I thought I saw a little bit more confidence and, and some swagger. And and this defense, you know, Clark said he wants this that defense that they, you saw on Saturday. I know they gave up 45, but 21 of those points were off turnovers. Right. right? So, so the, I mean, you know, cut that in half. That defense, I thought, played pretty well. So, Clark said that's their, that's what they want the identity of Vanderbilt football to be. And, and you saw it at times last year, you know, the, the road game at Missouri last year. I know they didn't win that, but the defense played their tails off in the second half. So, um defensively you liking what you're seeing there especially you know for for most of that game saturday against kentucky yeah it, what i was impressed with was uh the athleticism of the down linemen i mean those guys are really talented they can run mm -hmm. uh they can put pressure on the quarterback i'm a big believer that you can change a quarterback not so much by sacking him but just making making him feel like he's rushed you get him off schedule then all of a sudden you got a quarterback that starts making mistakes. 
Uh, and they're, they're really going to have to watch uh, Cook this week as quarterback because he can run the football. He's he's mm-hmm. a pretty good athlete. So that changes the dynamic of, of your defense. And if you've got to stay in your rush lanes, it's not get to the quarterback at all costs. It's get to the quarterback through the right lane. And he, he can pull the ball down and run it. So, But I've been impressed with the defensive line. The, the athleticism is much better. I think the linebacking core is solid uh, in the defensive backfield. I mean, they were, they were just, I mean, absolutely shorthanded. Saturday, but I thought they played well. You know, and you lose arguably your best defensive back uh, on what two minutes mm. and thirty seconds into the game, and he's he's been a good leader too. So, uh, you know, I th- I liked the effort. I really thought the effort was great. How about Matt Hayball? You like the effort from him? <laughs> I tell you what, what a weapon this this mm. guy he reminds me so much of Jim Arnold, who played uh, when, when I was there. <laughs> where you've got a weapon who can turn, he can flip the field in a heartbeat. And if you got somebody like that, that you can go from your own 20 to putting somebody down inside their own 20, that's that's really something to do. And he, he just gets better and better. He's fun to watch. Yeah, and I talked to Clark yesterday, Norman, and, and I kind of asked him, you know, when you've got a guy like Hayball and, and offensively you're struggling with some turnover issues, especially four of their last nine turnovers in the last three games have been returned for touchdowns. So, you you know, you take possessions away uh, from your offense like that. And, and I asked Clark, I said, would a first step, you know, first small step be basically telling your guys, you know, especially at the quarterback position, say, hey, if you're if you're even thinking about throwing it to a guy and you're you're unsure you know, we've got Hayball, right? You know, he, he's right there at least. Obviously, you, you don't want to do that, but, it, you know, just to start, you know, as a, as a first starting point of saying, hey, you know, instead of letting this guy return this interception for pick six, throw it out of bounds, we got, we got Hayball right there. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's part of, of, of building the confidence of the team is knowing I've got a game changer over here on the sideline. I don't have to take a risk that, that I might normally take because this guy can can put the defense in good position to, to come back and and uh, hold the other team and we get the ball back. So I think absolutely that that's the case when you've got a, somebody like that. It, plus, I mean, Vanderbilt, let's, let's face it, Vanderbilt's got to win the turnover battle game mm-hmm. after game after game. And, and right now they're not winning it. And that's just something you have to impress on your players. We cannot be giving the ball up and particularly on pick sixes or anything like that. It'll be interesting to watch to see if Vanderbilt can take care of the football on Saturday against Missouri. The Tigers coming to town. Norman, they're 4-0, right? They uh, they haven't played an SEC team yet, though. Uh, they, they have played a decent schedule. They, they beat uh, a solid MTSU team, 23-19. Uh, they had that win over K-State with the 61-yard game-winning field goal. And then they beat Memphis last week uh, over in St. Louis, uh, but this offense has has been pretty fun to watch. You mentioned Brady Cook earlier, uh, but but their guy Norman Luther Burden he leads all Power Five receivers with 340 yards after the catch this year. So uh, you know he's 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 fun to watch. But uh, Vanderbilt fans are hoping he's not fun to watch on on Saturday. Yeah, and he's not their only tool. I mean, he's he is really great. I mean, he's a great football player. But they got some outstanding speed out there, and they've got a good mm-hmm. running back. They got a couple of good running backs. So when you've got that, you've got to play them heads up and play honestly. You can't be out there taking chances uh, that all of a sudden you've got burden running loose by himself 
with no help over the top with the safety, that's a mismatch right there. And, and you're going to lose too many of those to win the ball game. So you got to do something to, to calm those receivers down and not have them be a, a threat to go 70 yards every time they touch it. All right, Norman, lastly here, last time Vanderbilt beat Missouri, it was a ranked Missouri team. Coach Mason was on the sideline. I'm not sure if you were in the booth for this one or not, but um, okay, Van, yeah, you remember Vanderbilt was coming off a loss to UNLV, um, and and they beat uh, Missouri with a backup quarterback. I'm not saying Ken's going out there, but again, we we could see that. Uh, but real quick, lastly here, Vanderbilt wins if blank. Well, they win the turnover battle if they start playing complimentary football where when the defense does something good, the offense does something good. When the offense does something good, the defense does something good. That That's how they win. But Vanderbilt, I think, always has to play with the chip on their shoulder. they got to play like we're the underdogs. I don't care if you're a 21-point favorite. you got to play with the chip on your shoulder that everybody thinks we can't do this. We can do this. We'll see. We'll see. Vanderbilt and Missouri on Saturday. Former Vanderbilt running back, Norman Jordan, and the color analyst for the Vanderbilt Radio Network joining me here. Norman, really appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Thanks for having me on, Billy. And to close out, finally, our Vanderbilt, Missouri pregame show, I'm now happy to be joined by Gerard Hamilton from PowerMizzou.com covering the Missouri Tigers for uh, for their rival sites. So looking forward to previewing this matchup, Gerard. Vanderbilt, Missouri, 3 o'clock kickoff in Nashville. Let's start with the Tigers, and I'm really interested to learn more about this team because, you know, keeping track of Missouri last year, of course, they probably didn't finish where they wanted to, at least record-wise and in the East, but it felt like they have something to prove this year, especially early on in this season, you know, being ready ready to go for that K-State matchup, Mevis hitting the 61-yard field goal, and then, you know, they, they eked out a couple of games against MTSU and Memphis, uh, but they got the win. They're 4-0. So, so far, how would you describe uh, what it's been like covering this this Missouri team so far? Um, the fan base, I don't know, the fan base sometimes feels kind of like a little um, hesitant. <laughs> it feels like just a bit because, you know, sometimes things just don't go the way. It's always, I've been saying unforeseen events. Uh, that's what I started saying a couple weeks ago. It's just as far as like, Things you don't expect to happen, but it happens to Missouri. So for like a couple of examples, last year versus Auburn, everybody saw the missed 26-yard field goal by Harrison Nevis, mm. chip shot. Then they went into overtime, and Nate Pete literally fumbled, you know, on the one- or two-yard line, touchback, Auburn wins the game. You got the situation versus Kentucky last year where there was a, a – the, the punt goes over the punter's head. He catches it outside, I guess – well, it looks like he catches the, you know, in a far away spot that's not close to where a punter usually punts. He gets it off, and then it's a roughing uh, the punter penalty. They even had to make a rule change at SEC media days. Like again, yeah. something you don't necessarily see. So early in the season, they kind of they show that a little bit versus MTSU when they had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter, and then next thing you know, they punt on MTSU's forty five yard line on a fourth and one. That ends up being a touchdown drive for MTSU, goes 87 yards. They take a kickoff return from the end zone, get stopped, you know, around the 15, 10 or 15, ends up being a safety a couple plays later. So now it's 23-19, and MTSU has the ball to score. So it's like things like that where you're just like, like they've got to sometimes get out their own way. But at the same time, they are 4-0. That offense does look a lot better. And considering everybody thinks their defense is the best part and that's still kind of getting going, 
they feel like they're in a good spot because there's room for growth on both sides of the ball. You mentioned the offense, 30 points per game this year, 431 total yards per game, uh, throwing for almost 300, you know, through the air uh, is, is Brady cook. And, you know, his stats don't, don't really pop off the page, but you know, he's, he's been solid. I think almost 11 yards per attempt that leads all sec quarterbacks. He's got 185 uh, QBR. I think that's second behind Daniels and he will run the ball. Gerard, right. I mean, you know, he's got three rushing touchdowns. So, you know, he, he's he's an evolving quarterback in the SEC. How good is he? Is he a top five quarterback guy in the SEC? I mean, you've seen him. I've, I've seen him up in top three from some people's rank, rankings uh, from, from the quarterbacks. But how good is Brady Cook? Yeah, right now he's balling around that range. Uh, the last two games, he, he didn't have any 300-yard games, you know, in his career going into the season. And his last two games, he's got back-to-back 300-yard games. He has it. His last turnover was... I guess if you're not counting the safety uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess safeties aren't turnovers, but they should be. But um, his last turnover was actually versus Vandy last year. So he hasn't thrown any interceptions or had any problems like that of his own. Um, He's pretty safe with the football. But now the big thing is he's actually throwing the ball deep. They're stretching the field a lot more with Kirby Moore in this offense. And so he's definitely playing, you know, around top five level quarterback for sure. Is, yeah, his numbers may not, you know, necessarily pop because uh, he's, he's sticking within the game plan. And sometimes that game plan is launch the ball like it's been the last couple of games. And then sometimes, you know, like versus um, South Dakota, I want to say, they were expecting, Drink said they were expecting them to play a certain defense. And basically they just played prevent quarters defense the whole game. And, you know, Brady, you know, dinked and dunked his way to a pretty good game and they won that game handily. So. He's good at, you know, taking what the defense gives, but now he's starting to get better at taking those shots down the field, which is something he wasn't doing last year. Part of that had to do with his torn labrum that he had in his throwing shoulder. Uh, some of that had to do with the offense they were going last year, but now he's, he's kind of spreading it out and being a little bit more dynamic. And then the running game hasn't even been a thing this year, really. He had that hyperextended knee versus Kansas State. I think he's only got like 22 rushing yards on the, on the season, but last year he was their second leading rusher with over – like 540, 550, something around the okay. Uh, range. Okay, so I was so, wrong about that then. <laughs> oh, oh, he'll he'll start to he'll no he'll start to get going. I think um, okay. the offense he's got, the brace. So much, he's, he's got, got the brace. He's got the yeah. On, he does have yeah. on the right one, I believe. Um, I think he will start going, but he hasn't had to because the offense has been much better. His line is it's still a work in progress, but it's much better than last year. So. I think, you know, if he has to take stuff, he will, but he's also getting better at his progressions and things like that. So I feel like that may come for him later in the season. So with the brace, he's he's good to go. You think he's 100% heading oh, into yeah. Vanderbilt? Not 100%, but uh, he's, definitely, he's definitely going to play. He's definitely all right. He did take uh, – um, he took – he his problem is he's not – he doesn't want to slide. And so you see him that, take yeah. some massive, massive <laughs> shots. Um the other last game, he did a QB draw, probably like 15, 17 or something like that. Takes a, takes a massive shot to his ribs. And Drink said on uh, Tiger Talk earlier this week something he, he kind of does. He said, we had another play drawn up for after that one, like hurry up and keep going because they were inside the five or something like that or close to it. And he was just like, I seen Brady just couldn't breathe. And so I called a timeout right there. And so 
he we've got to get him to slide. And this has been an issue since last year. He doesn't slide. So he's going to be banged up and bruised. Um, coach said on Tuesday that he'd be questionable, limited or something like that. But he ended up being a full participant. So he's going to be good enough to play. But I don't, I don't think he's 100 percent. Yeah, I noticed uh, Drake said, because I watched that earlier on Tuesday, I noticed he said mm-hmm. uh, Brady Cook and Luther Burton are questionable. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, heading into SEC play. Yeah, that, that'll, yeah. That'll, that that's not true. But talking about Burton, 32 catches, 504 yards, and three touchdowns through four games, which is you know pretty incredible. He leads all Power 5 receivers with 340 yards after the catch this season. I mean, he gets the ball in his hands. And and I mean he's a freak. He 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 turns into you know Megatron after after that at that point. And and Clark talked about it. he respected him a lot. Respected him a lot. And you have to. I mean he, he's an NFL guy. He said they know how to use him. He's the guy that creates for them. It's so clear in every way. Um, so how do they use him? I mean it's not just the deep threat, right? He's he was dangerous in the screen game last year against Vanderbilt, and and it feels like Gerard they use him in in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, you can tell his game has evolved in a, in a number of ways. I think, for one, he's a he's definitely a slot guy. Last year, he played outside just because they had so many slot guys on the team. They had Dominic Lovett, uh, all SEC type guy who went to um, who, went, who transferred to Georgia. So they had him in the slot mostly. And it seems like Luther is kind of taking that role and even expanded on a little bit because uh, Dominic was doing all the things, you know, slants, drags, crossers stuff underneath, screens, all that good stuff. But he would also be their deep threat. Now Luther is taking that on. Um, Luther's a guy they want to get in space. He's I've always said, and it's kind of changed just a little bit, but in the offseason, based off last year, he's a he's fast, but he's not like the fastest guy. He has gotten fast. Like, I think I've changed on that a little bit. He's much faster. He's much stronger and bigger. So his yards after catch, his yards after contact, I mean, it takes more than one sometimes to get him down. Like if you're thinking about shoestring tackling him or anything like that, it's not going to work. Um, but yeah, he's he's developed much quicker than maybe some people expect as far as what he would do in this offense. Because we just think it just because he goes in the slot, he'll be doing more slot things, and they brought other pieces who could be that deep threat. He's doing everything they ask him to do. And he, he's fun to watch. I think he's got his own brand of chips. He stayed home uh, to, to go to college. And then his age of NIL transfer portal, I think it's nice to see that sometimes. A guy just stays home, and, and he didn't leave after last year either, right? So they've obviously found a way to uh, to get him involved with their NIL program. Let's go defensively. I noticed a, a few guys here stand out. Uh, Joseph Charleston uh, at, at the corner position. Uh, and another corner, Dalen Carnell, has – I noticed he has five tackles for loss. He's also got a couple of sacks. And big Johnny Walker Jr. He leads the team with three sacks. And that, I, I, don't, I don't know if, if, there's a, if there's a guy like him, really. I mean, there, there's other freaks like that, but, but he's, he, has, he has certainly disrupted the passer defensively. I think some Vandy fans are interested to, to learn about this Mizzou defense. Um, give me the lowdown. What, what have you seen from them so far? So, yeah, Johnny Walker, I mean, they have eight returning starters on defense, and, I mean, he's not one of them. They had two. So their best position last year was actually defensive end. Um, They had a couple players, Isaiah McGuire, DJ Coleman, go to the NFL. They had Trajan Jeffcoat, who was a starter for most of the year. He transferred to Arkansas, and then they had Arden Walker, a guy they expected to probably compete for one of those starting spots. He transferred to Colorado. 
So kind of going into the year, every all the other spots seemed filled, and defensive end was the question mark they had. So they took Darius Robinson, probably their best defensive lineman, moved him to defensive end. He's been playing well, but he has a calf injury. He's questionable. Um, they That's a true questionable. They don't know if he's going to go or not. Um, but then, they, yeah, they have Johnny Walker. He's been playing at defensive end, and what he gives them is like he's a true pass rusher. Like, And he's doing a lot better than probably people expected. I mean, last game, I want to say he had maybe uh, a couple – I can't remember. I definitely remember he had a sack fumble, like a a pretty big strip sack. Uh, Memphis recovered it. He had another chance to to recover a fumble, but he was doing what big men shouldn't do. He was trying to scoop and score, so just fall (laughs) on it. But, no, he he definitely makes plays. And the questions about, you know, the defensive end room is not really a – it's not really a question anymore. In fact, it's actually kind of – the coverage play and something the drink just, I feel like most of his press conference was injury updates and how they're playing in coverage man to man. They haven't been great. Did an article a couple of days ago about the cornerbacks actually really strong. Chris Abrams drain and his right straw may be the best dude cornerback duo in, in the country. And I say that if I wasn't working, I'm like, I'm serious. They're a pretty good mm-hmm. duo. It's the safety play. They're getting beat a lot in man. He's basically saying they're trying to play too much hero ball. They got their eyes in the wrong spot, trying to basically jump routes to get interceptions, and they get burned for it. So that includes Carnell, Charleston, uh, Carlisle. But of those three, probably the biggest playmaker is Dale and Carnell. So somebody who got a lot of snaps as a redshirt freshman, played behind Martez Manuel, and he led the team in takeaways with five last year, and he was coming off the bench. So he can make plays. I just think a thing for him and all those safeties is just being better in man coverage and kind of locking in on what their job is for each one. Well, that means I think we could see a shootout, but if, if both these teams struggle in the past defense, we could see a lot of points. Uh, I want one more thing here on, on, on Missouri last year's matchup uh, out mm-hmm. in Columbia. What, what we, we talked about it before we went on here. It was, was interesting. Missouri gets up 17, nothing. I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans had stopped watching. And I think when it got to 17, seven, and I think Vanderbilt forced a fumble on a kickoff and, and they got the ball back. I think they ended up, Ended up scoring again to make it 17-14 on that deep 80-yard screen pass that they took. And then, of course, Missouri ends up finding a way to win at the end. I would imagine you were at that game. Number one, what was that like? It's probably one of the weirder games um, you know, you've know, you covered. What was that like, and 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 how did Missouri end up doing it? Was that, was that a lot of Missouri's doing, or, or do you think it was more of Vanderbilt? you know, Vanderbilt's mistakes, at least late. And, and that play call, no, that play call there on fourth and one gets a lot of talk, but um, just kind of take me back to what you saw in, the, in that game last year. I remember thinking the game, I want to say that was the first game after the after Missouri's bye, and they had lost three straight coming into that game. So yes. that was a huge, that was a very huge game. Um, and again, Vandy is not a, it's not an easy out. Like they, they can't just, especially with this, you know, the, this matchup. So it was a pretty important game for them. Missouri, yeah, Missouri got to that 17-0 lead. It felt like it probably could have been more. Like there still felt like from my point of view, like, yeah, they got to 17-0, but they, they still need stuff to click, but you got a 17-point lead. So it's like how much you can, can you nitpick? Then – uh, I want to say it was C.J. Taylor hops over Cody Schrader. I've never seen this in my life. Off, <laughs> basically off vert, jumps over Cody Schrader and forces a, a strip sack, and I think they recovered in the end zone or they scooped it into the end zone or something like that. 
So when you see that and Brady was already beaten up at that point in the year, when you see that, you're just like, oh, oh no. Then they fumbled. <laughs> they fumbled. Uh, Nate P had another another fumble. I can't remember if it was a kick return or something, but Vandy definitely got good field position off of that. Yeah. And so it was kind of just like, oh no, is Missouri going to continue to shoot itself in the in the foot, which is a problem last year. They they were one of the worst teams in the league or in the country in tackles for loss. I think they were like 123rd. So they we're always getting behind the sticks pretty bad with penalties. Like I said, with the offensive line and then they weren't having penalties on the offensive line. They were just getting beat. So there was a lot of things they had going wrong. I think it was a combination of the two. Missouri, you know, they have a problem even this year, just a little bit playing to their competition. Like they like versus Georgia, they rose to the occasion. They obviously didn't finish it, but they played a lot better. And then other games you'll see, like versus Auburn, where the teams trade like six or seven straight punts, you see them kind of playing to where they're at. And so Vandy definitely took advantage of that. And again, they can't they can't afford to do that in SEC play, especially considering how banged up they are going into this game with a number of injuries. They've got to play to you know a better standard. Uh and they they can't just be they can't leave games open to chance, basically. Well, and it's a big game because of that. I think for Vanderbilt, yeah, I don't want to say do or die. I think we say that for a lot of games, but you know, this is this is as close to a must-win game for Vanderbilt just to get back on track, give the fans a little bit more confidence and, and faith in the process, and, and for Missouri, you know, prove that you are in that top upper echelon in the SEC East, and you can compete with Georgia, and and you know, you can get to five and zero. But a lot of times. You know, there are those look-ahead games, and this feels to be one of them. They got LSU at home next week, 11 a.m. kick. I think it's on ESPN. Uh, that's one I'm looking forward to watching uh, just to, you know, to see how good is Missouri. But you got to get by Vandy. You, you got, you got yeah. Vanderbilt in Nashville, construction site, you know, locker rooms in, in the tent. You know, it's probably not something Missouri's super excited about. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but <laughs> – is there a look ahead factor to this game? I think absolutely. I mean, when you're the big thing, it seemed like for everybody was, can they get to LSU at four and one? And the one was the Kansas State game. I included yeah. myself. Many people thought they would lose the Kansas State game, and they ended up coming for coming back four different times during that game, and obviously sealing it with that long field goal. But yeah, could they get to LSU four or one? So of course, it's really easy to say like, again, it's Fandy. I mean, we've we beat a, a top 15 team already. We got four, four and zero offense doing good, all that good stuff. But you overlook this team with this passing offense. I know Vandy's uh, kind of struggle with turnovers, but they can move the ball. I think they're a top 30 passing offense. They obviously got their own all SEC guy and Will Shepard. That wide receiver trio is something Drink said is the best, one of the best in the country, if not the best. So it's not something where it's just like, ah, it's Vandy, like. This is still a very quality team, and they have to pay attention to that. I will say they're good. Missouri's good at having a poker face just because after the Kansas State game, you would think a hangover game was going to happen at Memphis maybe. And I guess to a small degree it did at the end because it should have been a double-digit win. But they're good at saying and looking to the next opponent and, you know, not doing any of that stuff. So they're good at, you know, showing that, oh, we're, we're focused on their opponent. But. You still have to do it. You still have to go out and prove it and make that trip to Nashville and, and the construction site and all that good stuff and win. <laughs> yeah, what what's you look at this matchup, and, and I'll give you some time to maybe ask me some on Vanderbilt here, but I got one more. When you look at this matchup, 
Missouri, obviously, with their passing game, Cook and Burden, Vanderbilt uh, with Swan. We'll, we'll see if Swan's able to go. He got banged up last week. Uh, but what are you looking forward to watching? Like, like if you had to pick one matchup in this game, you know, whether it's a one-on-one or position group versus position group, uh, what, what's that one matchup you're looking forward to watching within this game? The most competitive, I think, is one that's definitely going to be the wide receivers versus the corners slash safeties, just because that's really the wide receivers versus the corners, but in the corners cannot win every single play. And I want to see what happens when, uh, you know, the safeties have to be more involved in the pass coverage and what they've got to do and how they kind of contain this trio of, of Humphreys, McGowan, and um, Shepard. But definitely, the, like I said, the top cornerback duo uh, in the league versus a top wide receiver duo. If we're just saying, you know, Shepard and McGowan, like that's going to be a great matchup. And um, I, I think that's my favorite because it's the most competitive. But I think the one that maybe some Missouri fans are looking at maybe is that defensive line, especially if Darius Robinson doesn't play. How much pressure can they get on Swan or if it's not Swan Seals? Like how much disruption can they cause to maybe eliminate some of that passing attack? Love it. Love it. You got any for me, Gerard? Yeah, I, do. I just – Talk to me about Will Shepard because the way that I've heard people talk about Will Shepard and the way Drink talked about Will Shepard and how he's an all SEC type of guy, like I know he's different than Luther Burden, but it seems like they get that all SEC level type praise. So what makes Will Shepard so so dangerous with the ball in his hands? I think one on one in the red zone, he's as good as anybody in the country, um, and, and that's usually like if Vanderbilt gets him, if Vanderbilt gets him one on one, that's usually where they're going. Um, even if they're not in the red zone, you know they could be um, they could be in in plus territory, you know, at the forty, you know, inside the thirty. Uh, they like that whether where they're kind of just outside the red zone, and and if if Swan gets him one on one, that's where he's going. Um, and I just think his ability to high point the football. Um, against good corners too. It's not just you know he's done it against Hawaii and Alabama A and M, but you know last year against Kentucky, I thought he just really imposed his will. This year, Kentucky came to play. He was he was locked up last week. Uh, he only had two catches and thirty one yards on ten targets, so he had a lot of drops. And he, and he's a guy we talked about this this week a lot. You know he can get down pretty easily. Uh, uh, you know if he's not getting the ball or if he's making some drops, and so you know you you can kind of see it in some of his body language. But when when he's on, he's he's as good as anybody in the country. He's physical. He's 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 deceptively fast. I think he's 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 got really good speed. He's their punt returner. Um, but he can you know he's big too, right? He's he's I would say he's a little bit bigger than Burden, but but you know similar type of guy. Not as explosive. He's more of a red zone threat. But you know you look at Shepard. He's a guy that has grown his game. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in the draft because I think he will get drafted. It just depends where is he up. Is he a second day guy or is he a third day guy? That's what I'll be watching. But uh, he he's the real deal, and he'll probably be wanting a bounce big big bounce back week. Um, you know, w- after a tough week last week, because Swan potentially being out, you know that'll that it'll it'll be Ken Seals time. Um, so so we'll we'll see we'll see how he does. You know, as opposed to you know if Swan's playing quarterback or, or Seals is playing quarterback. But yeah, he, he's he's the real deal. Um, but he has to he has to get a little bit more consistent, you know. Let's let's bring it every week, and I'm sure that's been a challenge for Burden and a lot of other good receivers. You know, you, you're playing the SEC, right? You you got to bring it every week. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's the real deal. 
Okay. Now, I think one of the bigger losses Vandy had was running back Ray Davis, who they just seen last week at, you know, playing Kentucky. Guys got Pat, they've got Pat Smith, uh, Pat Smith back there. How has he done in the backfield? And I guess how, I mean, is he a different runner than Ray Davis? Like, how has that kind of changed this offense? Because, I, you know, Ray Davis is kind of a bruiser back, but he can he can go. I mean, he can make plays. I think he was a thousand yard rusher last year, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, or somewhere yep. around that area. So, I mean, what's the difference now with uh, Pat Smith in the backfield? Well, a big difference is who's at quarterback with the running backs, right? Last year it was Mike Wright, uh, who is now at Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, I I think you guys saw him late in that game against Missouri Mm -hmm. last year. I think he threw that touchdown pass. And um, obviously he he wasn't a thrower. He's not a thrower, but he's a runner. And so they ran, I don't want to say triple option, but they ran some triple option concepts with Mike Wright and Ray Davis. And it was hard to stop late in the season. You know, that's why I think they picked off some teams because, you know, you know, Swan's hurt. You know, you know, you're going to face right, but you've also got Ray Davis. So that was tough to stop. Um, it, it reminds me of what Bama's trying to do with Milrow and those good running backs, because if you have a quarterback that can run like that, it makes the running back a lot better and a lot more dangerous. So I think Ray Davis benefited off of Mike Wright, um, but he didn't have the best offensive line. So I don't think he was really able to show his true explosiveness. And now Davis is at Kentucky and he he's showing his capabilities behind a really good Kentucky offensive line um, and, and in the passing game as well. So you're seeing kind of a new level unlocked for Ray Davis. Um, so I like how you mentioned him, but to Patrick Smith, he's, he's a veteran guy. He, he played early as a freshman uh, a couple of years ago. I ended up playing a lot in Gainesville um, in his freshman year. Uh, he's he's not the biggest guy. He's not the most explosive. He he's you know nothing really pops about him, but you know he's their best pass blocker, so they like that. I think any coach loves that. Uh, but he's also a guy that you know he'll turn a a three yard loss into a four or five yard gain. You know I've seen him do that several times, and and they really don't have another guy that can do that. I mean maybe their freshman Cedric Alexander, um, but Smith is just a. He's kind of a grinder, man. He he's not he's not as nearly as big as Ray Davis, uh, but he's got a little bit more explosiveness, right? He can bounce it out w- when he wants to. Um, I don't think it's anything to scare an SEC defense uh, when you look at Vanderbilt's running backs and specifically Patrick Smith. But uh, I think he'll sneak up on you occasionally. You know, whether that's uh, a, a screen out of the backfield or um, you know being consistent in the blocking game or, and just getting those hard yards. They haven't ran the ball well. Uh, really at all um, I, I think they're averaging something like 70 or 80 yards rushing per game so they're they're not they have to get more and it starts with Smith and that offensive line but yeah it's totally different I, I like how you notice the difference between Ray Davis and Patrick Smith because it all starts with the, who the quarterback is so Vanderbilt has switched their offensive scheme after Mike Wright left to more of an RPO uh, you know type type scheme where yeah you can hand it to the back but you also you know keep it um, and and throw it to, on a slant to Shepard, or throw it deep to to Humphreys or McGowan and guys like that. So they've switched up the scheme a little bit, um, and it's taken some getting used to, right? I think they they're probably a year away from having the right type of players for that scheme. But uh, but yeah, Smith has been decent, uh, but but nothing nothing too special. Next, I mean, just we've talked about kind of the strength of, of Andy, which is that that wide receiving group, but. What are some of the, where is a place or a position group that, you know, you feel like they, they struggle in quite a bit and that, that could kind of have a big impact on this game? 
Well, turnovers. I mean, I think you mentioned Missouri's mm-hmm. some of their turnover struggles. Uh, Vanderbilt has nine turnovers in the last three games, and four of those have been returned for touchdowns. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I think that's not even a, a position group. That's that's just something they've. It's been brutal. I mean, it, it has just it has killed them. Um, so that number one for them, they've got to play a clean game, but specifically with a position group, I think Vanderbilt's corners are young. Trudell Berry is a sophomore. Martel Hyde is a freshman who who's talented, right? But he's a freshman, right? When, when you're playing a freshman and a sophomore in the SEC, you're going to struggle, right? You're going to take your lumps. So I think that's where, you know, Missouri can, can look at that matchup and, and expose Vanderbilt, um, and, and because up front, I, th- I like Vanderbilt uh, up front in the middle of that defense. I think they like their front seven. They haven't gotten a ton of pressure, but Vanderbilt's gonna, been a pretty solid run defense. Um, so I think it'll, it won't take long for Missouri to realize that they can pretty much sit back there and throw all day on, on Vanderbilt's corners. They played, um, they've played, uh, you know, five, you know, four DBs at times, three DBs, you know, just, just to get out there and, and, and have double guys if you have to. I would imagine Burden will be doubled. He's probably been doubled every game. Um, but I just think for Vanderbilt's corners, that's the position group I look at. That you know, if you're Coach Drink in this offense, you know, you can run the ball. But I think Vanderbilt will likely um, defensively probably not let their passing game beat them. Right, not let Burden and Cook in that passing game beat them because that's how they want to beat Vanderbilt. I think. Um, but then you get you also have the possibility of a guy like a Schrader or a Pete beating you on the ground. So that's that's been the tough decision every week for Vanderbilt, right? Are you going to load the box um, and and force the other team to throw on you and on your young corners, or are you going to you know are you going to play back a little bit, let the other team run on you? Then in the fourth quarter, a lot of times that's where Vanderbilt loses, right? Just in the fourth quarter, teams just wear on them. That's what Wake Forest did. So I would say cornerback. I think for Missouri in this offense, interested to see that matchup. Vanderbilt's young. They like their safeties, though. I think the sa- they, they safeties help out a lot. It's kind of the opposite with Missouri. Missouri likes their corners, I think you said overall, but safeties, that's where they've struggled. It's kind of the opposite for Vanderbilt. Um, I don't know where you'd rather be as a head coach, but you know, I think you'd rather be good at all four. But, uh, but no, I think Vanderbilt is solid at safety, but on the edges and the boundaries, that's where most teams know they, they can beat Vanderbilt. Okay, and I, was, and I was about to say, because I think I've seen that Vandy is either tied for first or maybe second in interceptions. Um, yeah. Is, is that right? yeah. Yeah. On so deep defensively. That, yeah. Now, is that coming yeah. mostly from the safety group? Or is yeah, it just uh, like that spread around? Yeah, Jeffrey Hugo, uh, a young safety sophomore, had one last week against Kentucky. Um, John House, the safety uh, had one last week against Kentucky as well on a bad deep ball throw from Leary. It, it wasn't, you know, it was good. It was a good play by by House, who's a sophomore, another young guy in that secondary. But um, you know, Leary kind of forced a deep ball. It's basically a punt. Um, and then it's funny, Nate Clifton, one of their D linemen, had had an interception uh, earlier this year. Uh, Dericky Wright had two. Uh, another one of their safeties uh, against Hawaii. So they like their safeties. I think Dericky Wright. Uh, Gerard, I don't know if you've seen him play. He's a guy that's six four, you know, you know two ten. He, he's a big kid. He, he's um, he's not super, you know. I mean, he's athletic. He's not like a, a burner, but but he's a guy that that is imposing, and he should be back this week. That which will help Vanderbilt. Jalen Mahoney, their other safety, got ejected on the third play of the game uh, against Kentucky, so he was lost. So the margin for error is small. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting point about the interceptions. 
that's something that Vanderbilt has to do. If there's a key, you know, to victory that I think, you know, you're able to turn Missouri over and they did last year, like you mentioned, uh, they, they had a pick on, on Brady cook, um, which I, I, I couldn't believe. I was like, wait, is he trying, was he trying to throw it out of bounds or what? (laughs) No. Well, let me tell you something about that play. I, if any play of that game, that one sticks out the most to me because it was just like, oh my, that's bad. It was, it was, yeah, I don't know. He should just threw the ball away, and I was just like, I don't know. It felt like you were playing Madden when you're just trying to force <laughs> anybody who yeah. plays Madden knows where you where you're just like, I don't want to take a sack or whatever. Obviously, that's better than turning the ball over, but you're just like, forget it. Let me just try yeah. it, and that's what it that's what it looked like looked like. But now that you kind of said it, said it. I think basically we've gotten down to this game will come to takeaways and giveaways for that, for that matter. Missouri going back to last year, hasn't been great at taking the ball away. Actually, like they can get the pass breakups, uh, Ray straw and KD were what second and third and pass deflections and stuff like that. But only Ennis got an interception. KD didn't have any last year. He does have two and back, you know, one and uh, one each in the last two games, but Takeaways is something like Missouri just isn't great at doing, and that's something they need to do, especially, like you said, with a team that is prone to turnovers. And on the opposite side of the ball, like Vandy takes the – like you guys have the, the – or Vandy has the interception thing. They can make mm-hmm. those plays, and Missouri has been good and safe with the ball, but Vandy starts making those plays, and you start losing those possessions. Now it's kind of a problem for Missouri – where they're in this spot where it seems like their offense is kind of leading the charge and usually it's mm-hmm. their defense. And I kind of wonder how long will that sustain where the, I guess the other side of the ball is kind of keeping you guys afloat versus what you need versus the side of the ball. That's your, your best. So it's yeah. going to be interesting in a turnover battle for, uh, for sure. It is. And, and you know, uh, something to watch here, obviously in Missouri fans, I would expect is watching this and drink talked about it. He said their staff is prepared uh, for three different quarterbacks. You know, they they think they still could see Swan. They think they could see Seals, but they're also preparing for uh, a young running Vanderbilt quarterback, Walter Taylor, they uh Coach Drinkwood said, which I wouldn't I wouldn't expect to see him, but again, you could say say they do start Seals. Seals gets hurt. Who do you go to if you're Vanderbilt? So um and that's what they Vanderbilt needs a smart veteran quarterback to simply take care of the football. Right. And, and that'll be interesting. You said Missouri isn't prone to to creating takeaways. Well, if Vanderbilt has a quarterback that simply takes care of the football and plays smart, you know, I said before we got on, this could be a high scoring game. Well, this could end up being a little bit of a low scoring game with maybe maybe a defense wins this game uh, because I know Missouri's offense is explosive. Uh, but I don't know if I would describe them as a, you know, a Tennessee explosive type offense or, right. a, you know, a. a even Elaine Kiffin at Alabama, I know they only scored, you know, what, 10 points last week. But, you know, the, Missouri's offense is explosive. Uh, but I think if Vanderbilt – you're right about Vanderbilt's takeaways. If they can, you know, flip the field on a turnover and, uh, you know, give their offense extra possessions, that that's a big key in this game. So, uh, Gerard, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I, I don't know if you'll be in town. I won't be able to make it. Uh, of course, I've been at every home game. I'm not going to be able to make it, but – Looking forward to it again. Three o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network here in Nashville. And Gerard, thanks for taking the time, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. And that'll do it. Great episode of the Vandy Sports pregame show. Vanderbilt and Missouri, Saturday, three o'clock here in Nashville at First Bank Stadium on the SEC Network. Dave Neal and D Mace, Derek Mason on the call. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. 
to, to, to watch that game. I will not be able to be in attendance. I will be watching the game. So uh, the Twitter fingers will still be moving, as I told Joey earlier. But big thanks to Joey Dwyer, Norman Jordan, and Gerard Hamilton for joining this week's pregame show. This podcast has always been free, and we plan for it to always be free for the fans. So here's how you can help keep it that way. Number one, give our podcast a review and a five-star rating. That helps us get noticed. If you're listening and haven't subscribed to VandySports.com yet, go do it. Do it right now. Take your phone out and subscribe. It's $99 a year or $9.99 per month and helps us tremendously. Secondly, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel. We are picking up steam over there. We've got podcasts over there. We've got press conferences. We've got last-minute thoughts on the field. We've got post-game shows, pre-game shows, all kinds of content going up on our Vandy Sports YouTube channel, so go subscribe to that as well. And finally, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, email Chris Lee at chrislee70 at gmail.com. Again, that's chrislee70 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon with more episodes of the Vandy Sports Podcast.